Comics with Aaron, Polly, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. Welcome, guys. Hello. Actually, Aaron, I have an off, off agenda question to ask you. Uh, here we go. Off the rails, and we are all of 20 seconds in. <laughs> like, immediately, yeah. we're off the rails. Um, are you still reading Berserker? Oh, I finished it. Oh, because did the final issue finally come out? Yeah. Oh, okay. I need to get yeah. caught up. And the reason I ask is after this morning's podcast, I will be heading to the theaters to see John Wick, uh-huh. uh, part four. Uh-huh. Um, have, are either of you John Wick people? I like John Wick. I have not seen John Wick three and certainly haven't seen four yet. Yeah, I've I'm, never seen any of them. They're, they're, I mean, I love John Wick. I, I you know, I've, no, it's I, good. I think most people do. It's, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's good stuff. Yeah. The new one is, is three hours long. Oh. Um, two oh. hours and 50 minutes. Wow. That's uh, a lot of wick. That is a lot of wick. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. You got to trim the reason that I wick. Ask is, you know, what you got to do. You got to trim it. <laughs> yeah. You, you got to trim that wick down. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, Berserker is Keanu Reeves and you know, they, they, from the very get go, we knew a movie was coming or a TV some series or something, right. but I think they did announce that, that that was in fact happening. Yeah. Um, and the first claim of Berserker is, is, Free ninety nine, or I should say, included in the cost, the first four issues of your uh, comicsology. Yeah, I so, really like Berserker. I think it's a, I think it's a really interesting read. It's somewhere between Highlander and the Old Guard, you know, the Highlander movie and the uh, Old Guard comic book by uh, Greg Rucka. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it, it, I I just I love the the mythology that is created in that story. It. I will tell you it's got a different flavor on the ending than I expected. Hmm. Um, and, I, you know, I like unexpected endings, but this one just kind of came out of left field. Um, it w- was not at all what I was anticipating. Interesting. Um, but it's good. I like it. I like it a lot, and I think it bears a reread. Okay. See, well, the only movie I plan on watching this weekend is uh, I need to see if I can get D&D tickets because uh, – I have to say the trailers look really good and everyone I've talked to that has been to advanced screenings actually, you know, really enjoyed the movie. Yeah, I've I've heard very good things. So I'm looking forward to checking that one out, too. Well, you know, I saw a movie this weekend. (laughs) Yes, Aaron. (laughs) In our chat this week. I think it was Paul shared yeah, a trailer. Me. Yeah, shared a trailer for a movie called Ape versus Mecha Ape, and it was a really fun-looking, you know, giant monster movie trailer. And then it became known that there was that this is actually a sequel, a sequel to Ape versus Monster. Yeah, I will say the Ape versus Monster trailer did not look as good as Ape versus Mecha Ape. Well, I, uh, I, you know, I, of course, I, I asked Paul, where can I see this Ape versus Monster? And Paul was right there because, you know, Paul's your Paul's your friendly neighborhood Paul, right? And, and, and <laughs> Paul <laughs> like, will lead you astray in no in time. In moments, in moments, you know, yeah, absolutely get the candy from the stranger in the panel van, you know. <laughs> Uh, so Paul says, well, you know, it's included in your prime membership, Aaron, you can watch it there. And I did. And oh my God, I, first I have to, this looked like somebody's student film, you know, I just trying so hard 
to make their $99 look like $99 million, um, and not being very successful at it at all. And, you know, uh, lots of just really it, – it looked like uh, some of those Star Wars fan films that you'd see. Uh, not the good ones, not the ones that we all know and love, but the ones where it's like, you know, this is these are my buddies and we made a Star Wars film. Uh, very much like that. People wildly miscast and, you know, doubling up on jobs. It is just a terrible film. I only made it about 40 minutes in. Uh, whew, whew. That is a that, bummer, Aaron, because I, yeah. I, I added it to my watch list. I was probably going to watch it. You know, I was going to have a double feature. I was going to have John Wick. An ape versus monster. See, my double feature is going to be Cocaine Bear and Winnie the Pooh Blood Knot. That's <laughs> my double feature. You know, uh, Cocaine Bear is available now streaming, but it's on oh, demand only. Um, right. So Based I start real events. I, I figure if I give it another week or two, it'll probably be included on Peacock because uh-huh. it's a universal film. So I'm, I'm 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 waiting for that one. I did see Knock at the Cabin is now on Peacock as well. Does so that I want to involve some kind of bear. It does not. It involves uh, Dave Bautista. Um, is, is he dressed up as a bear? I mean, he's bear-like in uh, stature. Okay. I'm just trying to find <laughs> out how this connects to bears. No, oh, none, none. There, there is zero bear connection. Okay, I so you took us out of the bear segment of the show. Yes, <laughs> I just love how they advertise uh, cocaine bears based on real events. When the actual story was the bear after it did the coke died like right away. <laughs> Didn't go rampaging, didn't go wild on the cocaine. No, the real bear just died. Well, yeah. That's, that's not boring as entertaining a film. No, yeah. no, it wouldn't be. <laughs> totally based on true events. Totally. That's right. That's right. Just well, like Ape versus Giant Ape. Or I, Ape. You know, I really needed Ape versus Monster to be a better film, but I'm hoping that the sequel pulls it out. That, uh, you know... Ape versus Mecha Ape is a uh, is a better film. So I, yeah, I'm you not know. paying for it, but when no. it's, yeah. find it when it's free for streaming and give it a shot. Yeah. Yeah. I have a feeling I could skip Ape versus Monster and just go straight to Ape versus Mecha Ape. You say I that. I don't know. But you're going to be like, Oof, yeah. I don't understand. I do, I do worry <laughs> about a lot, a lot of, uh, you know, plot threads that were left open at the end of Ape versus Monster, you know, and then just picking straight up and you don't know wh- where the thing, stuff came from. I, I think, see, that, now I think I can, that you'll be poorly informed. Now I can just pause the movie and message you, Aaron. <laughs> but Aaron only saw the first 40 minutes. He's going right. to be just as lost as you. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this it feels like we're we're signing a suicide pact here. So you know the <laughs> do you want to hear the origins of ape? Because ape is a giant ape. It's not King Kong, which was my question. Is this King Kong? No, no, it's random giant ape. <laughs> um, and random giant ape started off as a chimpanzee launched into space at during the uh, Cold War. A, uh, you know, an effort between the United States and the USSR for, you know, an alliance to reach out and make first contact. Now, what is really unclear, and maybe they clear it up at the end of the movie, though I suspect they don't. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) They launched this ape into space and it's a very small capsule. Right. And there is no. You know, there is no uh, discussion about what type of life support and resources that are provided to the ape so that, you know, the ape can survive this multi-year journey. 
And uh, yeah, so when the when the capsule returns to Earth, and it wasn't supposed to return to Earth, so you know there's that too. Uh, you know they're expecting a corpse in the capsule, but you know when the capsule crash lands in the in in the American Southwest. You know, you you hear a chimp's voice, you know, making your know, chimp sounds and then all of a sudden becoming more and more deep as the uh, as the as the chimp hulks out and becomes a giant ape. And it brings back this, you know, glow in the dark green goo that anybody or any creature that samples it also becomes a giant creature, which is where we get the monster in this story, because like a Gila monster, you know winds up drinking up some of that good good green goo you know the most unbelievable part of that to me is that (laughs) the military didn't take some of that and give it to one of their soldiers well that's my thing is i'm like i'm like we should be giving this shit to people you know well you know that that could be the the third part of the trilogy just putting it out there yeah maybe ape versus man (laughs) sign me up sign me up for that trilogy (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So. I mean, that's the kind of thing Amanda Waller would do. It, 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 fair, fair. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking about this Ape versus Giant Ape trilogy or Ape trilogy. Uh-huh. And I feel like, uh, you know, for as bad as that first one is, it did well enough to warrant a sequel, Aaron. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just I wonder if it's the second student film. Right. I mean, it's just <laughs> fair. I mean, when your budget is fifteen hundred dollars, it doesn't take much to make your money back. That's right. That's right. I mean, and, and maybe just selling your rights to Prime, you know, closes the loop for you. I don't know. Yeah. I don't look, know. I know it's terrible, but hear me out. Mecca <laughs> ape. <laughs> well, did you uh, did you wash the taste out of your mouth with this week's Mandalorian? I tell you what, this season of Mandalorian is so good. I'm really yeah. enjoying this season of Mando. How about you, Wayne? Yeah, same here. I had issues with the early episodes, and I feel like it just it addressed all of those issues and has given us a wonderful story where I feel like we're getting a lot more depth into the Star Wars universe. And I just love seeing the uh, the actor from Kim's Convenience as oh, a yeah. ranger. It took me a second to realize who he was. And I was like, now, wait a minute. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Appa as an X-Wing pilot is just so wonderful. Yeah. He he really fits well in the universe. I I, I was surprised by that. Uh, I, I The episode that really got me was the one where we encounter the Imperial scientist in rehabilitation. And he gets entrapped by the New Republic. I just I, I thought that was so well done. Yeah, uh, I am loving seeing like normally I would complain because that right. is an entire episode without Mando or yeah. Grogu. Right. But the story was so good. And again, we're getting another side of that Star Wars universe. And we're right. seeing that this new Republic isn't all it's cracked up to be. Right. Ain't that, all it should be. Right. Yeah, exactly. That it is failing in its own ways. It has its own levels of corruption and bureaucracy. Yeah. And just indifference to people. You know, I mean, you know, yeah, you you got this guy who was willing to you know color outside the lines 
but you entrapped him because he never would have done it if you hadn't created the circumstances for him to do it. If you yeah, had somebody facilitating his crimes. And, and that like, kind of continues into this week's episode right. with that whole mindset of, well, if you didn't join up, maybe you're not our priority. Right. Maybe you need to suffer to see that you need us. It's like that is not the mindset that you expect the good guys to have. Right. Well, and it, it furthers my belief that <laughs> uh, in the Star Wars universe, there are no real good guys. You know, everyone everyone is somewhat gray, if not deeply gray. Uh, you know, I, I, I've always felt like the Republic isn't really something we ought to be championing, despite how much we like Princess Leia. Um, I, I just I, I feel like the Republic is not is not a good people organization. Um, well, and the Jedi were very questionable as well. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, I like I said, I, I think that the, the Star Wars universe is very gray. Um, and, you know, at best, it's very gray. I mean, because I think the whole Jedi order is fucked up. <laughs> you know, the the whole, you know, well, you know, Jedis can't be in love. Then what the hell are you fighting for? You know, I don't get well, it. Um, one of the things I'm loving, too, is that they're taking some of these Star Wars series and they're using them as a chance to redeem the actors from previous movies that yeah. they did wrong. Yep. Like Jar Jar. Yes. That we get yeah. to see the actor that played Jar Jar doing something awesome now. Yeah. We Pretty got badass. Yeah. Pretty badass. Gotta say. Yeah. Well, and, you know... I know you guys are big Clone Wars fans and love yourself some Bo-Katan. Uh, totally won over a, a, as a Bo-Katan fan this season. Yeah, uh, they yeah. they did. I felt like they did her wrong in an early episode, mm -hmm. and they have just completely made up for that. Yeah. They have really brought the character to the forefront, and uh, – Every, every complaint I had about that early episode, they have redeemed, and they have given her the arc I wanted her to get. Yeah, I I, I love well, what I they're saw, doing. Sorry, I don't want to talk about yeah. I saw that Zebarelios pops up in the latest episode. Yes. That's yeah, very exciting bar. as a Rebels yeah. fan. Yeah, yeah, I was uh, – I wondered if it was really him at first, but yeah, it is. And that it's just exciting to see the characters from the cartoons get live action. Mm -hmm. They're setting up that Ahsoka show, right? So, yeah, we, we, we talked about this right before the podcast, that Star Wars Celebration in London is next weekend. And I would expect we will have our first official trailer for Ahsoka um, and you know, probably some hints as to what else is, is coming out. In London. In London. That's why I'm not going. Yeah. Not because I dislike London, but uh -huh. because it just felt like a lot of effort. Uh. <laughs> Well, you know, you could have you could have been there and say what, Paul? Cheers. There you go. <laughs> I would fit right in. They'd be like, "Oh, he's one of us." Yeah, he's a native. Yeah. Yeah. Blimey, mate, he's a native. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> well, I'm I'm really enjoying Mando this season, and you know, one of the things that I find amazing about that show is that Mando cannot be in it for the most part, and I still very much enjoy it. Um, I, I just amazed at, you know, because I love Mando. I want to see Mando all the time in the show, but they, they, they run off into these corners and I'm just I'm loving the exploration. Yeah, really which I show. could not say that about Boba Fett. No, when Mando was not in Boba Fett, I did not enjoy it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, because you were left with Boba Fett. Yeah. 
Hard to believe he used to be such a cool character. Hard to believe. <laughs> well, you know, when they announced Boba Fett season two, mm. you can you can start the excitement. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say it. Boba Fett was never a cool character. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Well, you know, I think the promise of Boba Fett was always a cool character. Yeah. Like, you were going to get something cool with Boba Fett. And that then it just never materialized. Yeah. So. But we wouldn't have Mando with it if it wasn't for the, the allure of that character. So. Now, I, I'm going to give you a hot take. You ready oh. for this? Okay. You know, a lot of people think Amanda Waller's a cool character. I have never thought so. I don't know. I, I feel like Amanda Waller is kind of a... Kind of like Cyborg. She's a character yeah. that DC keeps trying to make happen. Um, but... You know, most fans don't are, are indifferent to Amanda Waller, or even worse, that's true. just dislike Amanda Waller. Yeah, I, I liked don't. her in the Justice League cartoons. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think your take is true there, Paul. I think I think a lot of people love the original run of Suicide Squad. Okay, fair. Uh, I, I think they they love the, the the Squad comics. I think they have enjoyed, uh, to Wayne's point, her appearance in the animated series. I have just never liked her. I've always thought she's a good villain, but, you know, she's never been a villain that, you know, I've enjoyed. Um, I, I uh, you know, like I loves me some some Dr. Doom and I'm always down for an appearance of Dr. Doom. I kind of groan every time Amanda Waller rears her head. I also not a big fan of Wildstorm. So it makes all the sense in the world that I picked up. Waller versus Wildstorm this week, and am the only one on the show who did. Um, well, the cover was great. I will say the cover was great, and I almost got lured in by the cover. But then, you know, I looked at the preview pages. I'm like, oh, the interior art is not good, so I'm going to pass. <laughs> well, I uh, I picked up the book, and I picked it up because you know it's set uh, in you know it's a period piece. It's set in the 80s. Uh, I the artwork didn't bother me, but it also didn't do any heavy lifting for this story. And you know the the, the main reason I picked this up is that it's a Lois Lane story in addition to being an Amanda Waller versus Wildstorm story. And I gotta tell you, this book is a whole lot of telling you things that happened, um, showing you bits and pieces of it. And demonstrating that Lois Lane is not as cool a reporter in this period as she is today. Now, of course, this can't be the same Lois Lane that they're showing us in comics today because Lois Lane today is still like in her 30s, whereas Lois Lane here is maybe in her 20s. So, you know, she this person this is taking place in a uh, in another timeline, you know, in an alternate universe. And uh, I just got to say, it's not very entertaining. It's very talky. Um, I never want to see L- Lois Lane get so nervous about an interview that she goes and throws up. And, you know, again, I feel like they're trying to tell this story of early Lois Lane, but she seems much further in her journey in this story because she, you know, she's cracking these stories and she's, you know, inner, she's, you know, face-to-face with terrorists. So she's clearly got chops, but then she gets so nervous that she throws up. It so seemed inconsistent I'm, to me. The other thing I find interesting in your description, Aaron, you said that it's set in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Wildstorm didn't even exist in the 80s. Did it, it, like, it was a 90s creation. Yeah. Yeah, I, the, the book is... Uh, 
the book is not good. I mean, they're trying to set a, you know, like I said, it's, it's set in a different timeline. It's set, you know, outside of, of, uh, of, uh, regular DC continuity. It's a black label book, but boy, I, I just did not care for this book one little bit. So can't well, recommend I'm glad I, I'm glad I didn't spend my hard earned money on that book, Aaron. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does have a great cover though. It does have a great cover. <laughs> so your week is, I mean, your week is not off to a good start between eight versus monster and Waller versus Wildstorm. Uh huh. You, you you did not have a good start, but did the Unstoppable Doom Patrol turn it around for you? Kind of liked Unstoppable Doom Patrol, and I'm I not a big. Too, I, I am not a big Doom Patrol fan. I, I always try to I like, like some Doom Patrol. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, you go. I was just gonna, I was just going to say, you know, I always try to like Doom Patrol. I give it a shot every now and again, but it's just a little too weird for uh, for my sensibilities. Mm-hmm. But I liked this book a lot and was very surprised by a thing that happens in the book. What, what surprised you? Well, you know, we we have, I mean, since the days of Marv Wolfman and George Perez on uh, the Teen Titans book. You know, way back in the 80s again, we have uh, really gotten to experience a love that dare not speak its name, the love between Mala and the brain. Yeah. And this this is a rather harsh breakup (laughs) (laughs) for these two. I mean, it's not just a, hey, I betrayed you, not betrayed you slept with somebody else brain but uh betrayed you for another villain and then let's go ahead and fight and then i'm going to smash in your brain brain uh yeah i I mean wow that was uh wow wow so i i i i I was very surprised by that i i don't think i've ever seen the two of them really uh fight much more than some minor bickering so that was that was surprising it was pent up yeah, pent up I, anger. Yeah, at all these years of in their in a bad relationship. Yeah, toxic, if you will. <laughs> toxic. Yeah. I actually really enjoyed this book. Um, you know, I'm I'm way behind on Doom Patrol the TV series. Right. I, in fact, I think I only ever saw season one. Um, but I, I like how this has kind of embraced that feel a bit. Um, you know, but it, it, to your point, it's a the, the weirdness is there, but it's tempered a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually quite enjoyed it. And, you know, Chris Burnham is the artist on this book and Chris Burnham, um, if you're, you know, if you don't remember, he was also the artist on Batman incorporated with Grant Morrison. So I'm, he, he, he has a very Frank quietly, um, style to his art that I appreciate. And so I, I, I loved the art on this book. I thought it was perfectly suited. I liked the appearance of Batman in the mm-hmm. book. Um, it was just, a, it was a fun book. I, I, I quite enjoyed it. Now, I will say the one thing that made me groan a little bit was the appearance of Peacemaker. Cause I'm like, okay, yeah, this is like, this is almost like DC putting together a book informed by all its various TV series. Right. <laughs> you know, this is the TV crossover that won't happen on TV kind of thing. And I was like, ah, Peacemaker feels a little overdone lately because of the TV show. And because, you know, they're trying to make him a big thing in comic books. Um, and I've just never been a Peacemaker fan outside of the TV show. But other than that, I thought it was a good book. And I thought, like I said, my, my favorite thing about it was the art. Yeah, I, I, I liked both. I liked story and art. I thought, like, and to your point, I think it was a very tempered approach 
to the Doom Patrol, which was welcome. Yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we, I will, I'm on board for issue two. And I appreciate that this is not a Vertigo book. This is set firmly within the DC universe. So I think that's, yeah. you know, they're doing Doom Patrol a little bit differently in this dawn of DC. It looks like yeah. they're, they're definitely looping them in to, um, to the DC universe proper. There is one thing that um, I found it interesting, which is I wonder which Robin we are looking at in this book. Yeah. I had no idea. I feel like this may be Tim Drake. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you know, we've got, Tim Drake in the pages of the uh, the Batman book by Chip Zdarsky, but because it the character seems a little old for Damien, um, so I feel like it might be Tim Drake, which is inter- which is cool. You know, I mean, I like that they're 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 doing something with Tim Drake as a character, but but yeah, no, Doom Patrol, good book, yeah, absolutely. Well. Also from DC Comics this week, we had the latest issue of Action Comics, Action Comics issue 1053, No Escape from the Necrohive, which features uh, Lois and Clark 2, you know, the, the by Dan Jurgens and Lee Weeks, and Power Girl Reborn, and I have come to the determination that I'm just not even bothering with the Power Girl backup. So I'm really only reading two-thirds of this book. Well, I read all thirds. All thirds. <laughs> all thirds of it. How's that yeah. Power Girl? Was it, was it worth the time? You know, I will say that of the Power Girl stories, this was the more interesting of those that I've read because it addresses the issue that, you know, we've had from the jump is that why is Kara excluded from the Superman family? And, you know, she's kind of offhand making comments about, well, you know, I know I'm not one of your super family, yada, yada. And she's making these comments to Jonathan. And Jonathan's like, hey, you told us you didn't want to be included. You told us you wanted your space. And, you know, it's very much looking like this is Power Girl's problem and not the Super Family's problem. Yeah. So I, I do like that they're addressing that. I still don't care for the storyline here. But, you know, the artwork's terrific. I just can't stand the dialogue in the story and the the narrative of the story. So, but yeah. I, I was glad to see them address that. So how are you feeling about the the first, you know, cause I think you guys were a little bit more, um, like, I think I was more bought in on the first, the Philip Kennedy Johnson storyline than you were. I feel right. like I'm more bought in on these Superman books than, than the rest of the crew here. And Wayne's having technical issues. So that's why you don't hear him talking um, because we've silenced him. <laughs> um, <laughs> we've marginalized Wayne. <laughs> but how, how 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 do you feel about the the you know the the first you know, the kind of the Metallo story? You know, I like the Metallo story. There are some elements of it that I think are weird. Um, like there's this whole big effort at the beginning at the top of the series where uh, John Henry Irons was establishing the new steelworks, and it was going to be this giant scraping tower. Uh, you know, bigger than LexCorp, yada, yada. It gets blown up. And now they're like, well, what about something smaller? And now he's, you know, looking at developing a uh, Steelworks Institute very similar to Kryptonian design, mm-hmm. you know, using the ancient school on Krypton, mimicking the ancient school on Krypton from the ruins of Zed Un Rauja. Uh, and it's that's weird to me that humans would ape alien culture like that, particularly someone as, you know, forward thinking as say John Henry Irons. I just, that seems weird to me that, that, that just, uh, 
leaning into uh, Kryptonian culture. But I did appreciate in this story, you know, there's some things that we called out early on, like I was saying before about, you know, Power Girl's exclusion from the super family. I like that there is a conversation in this book between Chinese Superman and Superman. Um, Yeah. You know, and I don't I don't know how else to refer to him. Yes, he does. And I don't know how to refer to him other than Chinese Superman. Is there another is there another way? Is there a more appropriate way that we should uh, um, describe that character? Because that 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 seems uh, almost inappropriate to refer to him as Chinese Superman. Just Keenan, I guess. Is that it? Okay. I mean, because I, I mean, I, I feel like his character's name is literally just the Superman of China, yeah. right? Like, I don't know that he has a, an alternative name, but his real name's Keenan. I, I, you know, I, I, like I don't him. know that I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah, I did enjoy his uh, portrayal in this book. I love his suit. His his, yeah, his super suit smaller. is yeah. pretty hot. Yeah, yeah, with the yin and yang in the S. I, yeah. I think that I think that well is done. pretty clever. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm liking it. I, I like that, uh, you know, we've kind of cut through Lex's smarmy, you know, mm-hmm. in this when he realizes what's going on with um, uh, Metallo. He's like, oh, oh, OK, you know, there's some stuff going on. OK, that, that, that this is something that we really need to get involved with and resolve pretty quickly. Uh, so, yeah, I'm digging that. But yeah, I'm, I'm I, I I like the Metallo storyline. There's, there's some elements of it that I don't care for, but on the most part, I enjoy that. I just don't feel like it's living up to the promise that it built. Talk to us more about that, Wayne. While uh, while you still have power, talk to us more. About that. <laughs> yeah, like before they did this relaunch, I was really into the Metallo story with his sister. And it felt like it was, uh, it made me really care about Metallo for the first time in a long time. And they are turning him more into just another, like, they're still sticking with that he's doing all of this because of his sister thing, but he feels more normal villainy than the character that they had driven, you know, made me care about suddenly. Yeah, but I feel like they're going to turn it around. You know, I, I feel like he will now that he has um, they've revealed that it's not Lex Luthor. And now that it's been revealed specifically to him. Right. That his sister is basically. Like <laughs> it's a full horrifying two page spread, um, you know, is basically, you know, in captivity um, from this unknown villain. That, that is requesting him to kill Superman. I, I I think we will see a little bit more of that humanity shine through probably in the next issue. I am annoyed that it is an unknown villain. I'm kind of tired of the tease and don't tell us who it is storyline. But yeah, we're getting it in both books, you know, which is not, you know, not great. Like we, we've kind of got both books, basically super technical villains using Lex Luthor you know, using technology um, between this and, and Superman, they're they're very similar, d- very differently told stories, but kind of similar villains. Yeah, I have a theory. When Lex said uh, he's hearing voices in that body, I assumed that meant that the body he had given him, that he had reused something, and I still think that's the case. I either think he reused some sort of World War technology, or 
my initial thought was that he reused something from Cyborg Superman. Yeah, that's possible. So we may see that may be the reveal next issue. I also really dug the conversation between Jonathan and uh, Osel, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, talking about how Jonathan feels about having these two new adopted kids in the Kent family. Um, I I dug that story quite a bit. And I think that it it really clarifies some things that we've been seeing there. Uh, I like that it kind of cleared the air between Osel and Jonathan. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, we also get to see Otho in her super suit. Uh, doing terrible, terrible things there yeah. in Metropolis. I, yeah, and, and I, I'm, I'm wondering if if we're I'm wondering if we're seeing some type of mind control, mm-hmm. or if Otho literally just murdered a person. Yeah, and we're kind of dealing yeah. with the you know Superman's version of Damian Wayne kind of thing. Right. Yeah, yeah I she, really, looks, she looks badass there in her suit. Yeah, I really enjoyed the Jonathan scene. I still have issues with the. Uh, uh, the Asian Superman of why is he there? And the more he interacts with them, I get more of that. I read the backup story for Power Girl this time. Uh, I've been reading it, even though it hasn't been good. And they do address the why is she not there with the super family? She makes a comment about that, about how she doesn't get invited to anything and Jonathan says, that's because you told dad you don't want to be involved with the family. Yeah, we, we touched on that a little bit while you were offline. But, yeah, I agree, Wayne. I think that uh, uh, while I also am not enjoying the Power Girl backup, uh, I did appreciate that they addressed that. Yeah, that it's not Superman's fault that she specifically had said it. And she says that because of her own baggage. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I will say. Not wild about the new name she's given. Yeah. You know, uh, you know uh, she's frequently called PG, right? And uh, she she's not wild about that nickname. Um, but she also doesn't like her name Karen because it doesn't mean anything. It's a human name. It's not her name. And she doesn't want to go by her Kryptonian name because it's the same or sort of the same name as Supergirl's name. And so Jonathan names her Paige, as in P and G, Paige. And she's like, oh, I, I kind of like that. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> See, I, I like the name. I don't well, like where it came from. Yeah. Like, it was a, I don't like the bouncing around to get there. But I do like the name itself. I have this sense. And, I, you know, maybe I'm just reading too much into it. But I feel like her name being Karen was too uh, too on the nose for some social media, perhaps, you know, uh, in, in the way that, you know, certain white women are referred to as Karens. Uh, I, I, there's a part of me that feels like that's the reason why they decided to change that name. And I that, can see that. That just annoys me. What I'm saying is DC Comics is woke, Paul. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> don't cancel it. <laughs> so, you know, we are dealing, you know, with, with super powered beings in the pages of action comics. But, you know, we, we kind of get a different bit, a, a different take on superpowers uh, from Image Comics. This is an image book, right? It is. OK, yeah. Image Comics. Mank, Mank, Mark Miller. And Frank Quietly 
um, are teamed up again for a, a new Miller World book called The Ambassadors. And I meant to tell you, Aaron, I did pick up um, Nemesis, I think is the name of it. Yeah. Yeah. I picked up the first issue. I, I quite enjoyed it. You know, yeah, I did too. I, I have mixed feelings on, on Mr. Yeah. Miller, but um, but I, I enjoyed the first issue of, of of Nemesis, and I'm like, okay. And I love Frank White Lee art. We were just talking about Chris Burnham. Well, um, I was going to um, say, you know, you must be in hog heaven this week, having your you both a Chris Burnham book and a Frank Quietly book. Yeah, I will say the Frank Quietly art on this book, and perhaps the the first issue just doesn't have much going on. Isn't the same level of Frank Quietly I'm used to seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but yes, I, it was, it was nice to see <laughs> two books, similar art, but an art style that I like. So, you know, the, the premise here, at least uh, as the cover promises is 8 billion people, six can have superpowers. Who do you choose in the pages of the ambassadors? And I'm, I'm very curious to hear what you guys thought of this book. Well, I loved the cold open with the superpowered chimpanzee, uh, I thought that was beautifully cinematic. And, you know, I, I, have, I frequently feel like Mark Miller is writing uh, for the screen in these comic books that he's proof of concepting. And, you know, this is very much storyboarded in the way this is depicted. You know, you've got this superpowered uh, chimp who comes to town, Scottish chimp, by the way, who comes to town and, you know, rips off a soda machine and as he's sitting in the middle of the street drinking a uh, delivery truck runs up on him and he levitates it above him and it's just done panel by pan panel by beautiful panel levitating this truck up over his head and then you know the the you know secret service guy shows up and he's he's all uh, hey you know if you uh, gently put that down we can get back in our in, in the plane and you can listen to some simple minds. And, you know, the there's this dialogue between the chimp and the agent about, you know, well, which album is it going to be? And so, you know, they're running through it. And I just I, I thought that all of that was very delightful. Uh, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Wayne, did you read Ambassadors? I did. And I love this book. It's a great book. I really I like the whole setup. I I like the art and designs quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing the story and this competition for who is the most deserving of superpowers. Yet their main person that's giving the powers away is questionable herself yeah. and likely would not win that competition. And I think we might need to say I, I know that that uh you know, some folks are very sensitive about certain violent acts, particularly suicide. And there is a rather graphic depiction of a suicide in uh, in this issue. And, you know, so be warned going into that if that's something that is uh, uh, sensitive to, for you. Uh, it it, it, it does, The panel does not shy away from it. But I I loved the setup. I loved yeah. that, you know, this, the, the setup is we discovered all this shit in America and the big reveal is, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> the, the, uh, South Koreans have the corner on this science and these, the South Korean who discovered it is a billionaire. Uh, and she is not a member of the government. She is not interested in making more money. 
she's you know an altruist and that scares the shit out of the powers that be yep. and she's in prison that. yeah I, I i i i really very much enjoyed this how about you paul yeah i quite liked it it is very much a setup you know there's um this is almost like the first 15 minutes of a, of a, of a movie Right, right. That, that we're reading here, maybe 15, 20 minutes. Um, so it it's it's it is entirely set up, but I, it's an interesting setup. So I'm looking forward to seeing where the story goes. And you know, I like the Frank Wiley art. Yeah. Um, it's different. You know, it, it obviously we read a lot of superhero books, right? We we just talked about it, but I, I think one of the things that between this and Doom Patrol, it was a nice variance. Mm-hmm. Um, both super powered books but both different takes um, with, with unique feels to them. And so I think one of the things that, that I appreciated about this week's comics is we got, we, we read something a little different mm-hmm. than our normal reading habits. Well, it was good stuff. Hey, Paul. Yes, sir. What different is coming out next week? Well, I'm going to get to the different, but let me start with the same stuff first. Ah. So from DC comics, we have new issues of adventures of Superman, John Kent featuring, you know, um, Ultraman, Injustice Superman, John Kent, and Superman of Earth 2. Um, so looking forward to that one from Tom Taylor and Clayton Henry. We also have the next issue of Batman from Chip Zdarsky and Mike Hawthorne. Um, you know, continuing that storyline, the latest issue of The Joker, The Man Who Stopped Laughing. The second issue of Icon vs. Hardware. But if I recall correctly, you said that book sucked. Yeah, uh, the the second issue of Icon versus Hardware? Yeah. Did I read the first issue of that? I thought you did. I know, maybe. I did read the Milestone book last week. Some of it was good. Um, the Milestones, I, I, I'm sure I probably did. That's that's how unmemorable it was, Paul. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, the two big releases next week that, that I am most looking forward to are from Marvel Comics and author David Walker with art by David Walker. Um, Planet of the Apes, issue one of five. So Marvel has... You know, you know, I license mean, yeah, to do Planet of the Apes books. Um, and I am very, very excited for the first issue. Cover looks baller. Yeah, looks like a lot of fun. Looking forward. Yeah, to I that. saw that cover earlier this week. It looks great. Yeah. And um, from IDW, Aaron, Star Sorry. Trek Deep Space Nine, the dog oh. of war featuring it's the, Borgie. It's the Borgie book. I can't it's wait. The Borgie book. <laughs> where where a where a, a corgi with Borg technology finds its, its way onto Deep Space Nine, the Borgie. Paul and I will be talking about that in detail on our uh, Star Trek podcast, Star Trek with Aaron and Polly, right, available right here at IOMGeek.com. Yeah, or you can check it out on um, your favorite podcast provider. Just look up Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. That's right. That's right. Well, guys, we want to know what you thought about this week's books. We want to know, you know, did you did you love you some Mandalorian this week? You know, we want to know all the things. Give us a call. 682-800-3494. That number once again, 682-800-3494. If we use your voicemail on the show, you could win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You can also hit us up on social media, IOMGeek on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. What a deal. Well, we will see you all again next week where hopefully Paul will be caught up on Mando. Maybe. That's the hope. Very good. <laughs> this is the way, Paul. This is the way. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. 
Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of IdeologyofMadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Mm-hmm.